0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports stuff. I'm not the fan. I'm your host, Lewis, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Take care of business uh, with a, I, w- I mean, it was stress-free in the sense that it never really felt like Charlotte was going to win this one, and the Raptors went up by 10 to start the game. They're up 15 at halftime, and it just kind of maintained that lead throughout. Very few times the Hornets, the, the Hornets actually um, dip it below 10 points in terms of the deficit, Um but then again, the Raptors weren't able to just, like, completely blow them out either, mostly because of the fact that Charlotte was just shooting the three really well. Like, they were, they were above 50% from three for a lot of the night. And, you know, it's not just Svi, who, by the way, man, man, Svi looked good. That was one of the best games I've seen Svi play, man. Um, and I'm really happy for him. Like, I'm really happy for him. Um, but, yeah, he definitely got his three threes uh, with the Raptors on the court, which did not happen last season. Obviously, we made that as a running thing with with the show. Uh, and even James Booknight in the second half, who, who was able to knock down a whole bunch of threes as well. So, you know, they were above 50% from three. And, and even guys like JT Thor was knocking down, like, baseline pull-up jumpers or, like, corner threes. So, that like, so, you know, Xavier Sneed went three of three in, like, a three-minute stretch there in the second half. So they did just enough to sort of keep themselves close. But the Raptors obviously had more quality. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, every Charlotte Hornets player that you would know... Um was was not available for this game. Like the, I mean, the way they started this game is is wild to me, man. They had Bryce McGowan's Svima Majilic, Teal Maladon, who does sound like kind of like a Pokemon. I, I know I go to that line a lot, but Maladon really does sound like you know maybe a, a, a rock fighting type. Maybe, um, Mark Williams, which in the stat sheet just says M Williams, which uh, reminds takes me back to a day where the Charlotte Hornets had you know Marvin Williams on their team for like what felt like twenty years. And then JT Thor, um, you know, which another name that is just incredible on this list. Um, so that that's who they were starting. So if you can just imagine who they were bringing off the bench, it was Kai Jones, um, Xavier Sneed, James Booknight. Um, who is this K Simmons? He came into the game late. Kobe Simmons. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Okay, um, so that's the kind of opposition. But listen, like I, I think the Hornets actually played, you know, with a lot of intensity. I thought uh, did a great job. Um, early on as sort of competing defensively, even though the Raptors scored 35 points and, and they had 67 points at halftime, I thought the Hornets were pretty committed to playing defense. Like their energy was quite high. Um, and they did a really great job of sort of like, not even necessarily playing a zone necessarily, but like it just made it tough to sort of um, get all the way to the basket. Now, I thought that the defensive intensity melted away uh, as the game went on and, and it became easier and easier for the Raptors to get buckets. But ultimately, though, you know, the Hornets between the three-point shooting and and, and them Playing a lot with a lot of energy on defense, like you know, like they're they're set. Like I I think I already read that their um, lottery odds are pretty much already fixed, so you know they don't necessarily have the incentive to sort of lose more games. I'm not really sure about that. I guess I'll double check. Haven't looked at Tankathon since the trade deadline, since the Raptors obviously want the other direction. Um, but yeah, like this is you know th- they're 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 playing hard. Like and, and to be honest, them playing hard actually made this game like enjoyable to watch because the Raptors. You know, it it wasn't one of those sloppy games where they can do whatever they want, make all sorts of mistakes, and the Hornets wouldn't capitalize. In fact, the Hornets actually, you know, executed pretty well on both ends of the floor. It's just that obviously the Raptors executed better, right? And that's where, I mean, you look at the the starting lineup. I I thought every single starter who touched the floor played well. Um, I thought the bench came in and was neutral, which is all I'm really asking for. But most importantly, every single starter played well. Um, You know, I mean, you can just look across the board here. Like, this isn't, like usual for the Raptors starting group, but 36 points for Pascal Siakam on his birthday, 36, seven and seven with two assists plus 16 as well. Uh, That's obviously awesome, right? He was excellent in the paint. Um, So Pascal missed only missed eight shots. Five of those were threes, um, which means that he shot um, 14 of 17 in the paint. That's really good. Uh, Wow. That's really good. Especially with Charlotte having actual shot blockers out there. Oh, or at least guys who are very athletic and 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 you know, I mean like, you know, Mark Williams is is, is big, JT Thor is pretty big, you know, even Kai Jones coming out of the bench, like these guys can all really jump. Um So, you know, Pascal with 36, OG with 23. Unfortunately, he left the game uh with injury, just kind of one of those things you couldn't really avoid. Um OG's, I think, short rolling. Um, out of the pick and roll, the Hornets sent two guys. OG's in the middle of the floor, making the next pass out, and it just so happens that he does a jump pass and lands on um, one of the Hornets players' feet. And so uh, OG was down. You could hear him kind of screaming on the broadcast. I uh, was able to have it roll out of the way, which was actually, you know, just basketball-wise. It was interesting because obviously he was in the lane. And I'm thinking, like, are the refs going to call defensive three seconds? Because they did call or offensive three seconds because they did call one on pressures early in the game. Very rarely do you see offensive three seconds called. Um, but OG was down and and, you know, he managed to, I guess, ro- roll out of the way to avoid um, that call. And the Raptors actually somehow still able to score with Fred going to the basket, getting fouled. Um, so there was a real chance right there to just take OG out, because right? you obviously make substitutions on free throws. And OG was there tying up his shoelaces, kind of flashed the um, thumbs up sign to the bench. So he actually stayed in for the next possession, which I was like, okay, I mean, there's four minutes left here in the fourth quarter and you're up, I don't know, 15, 16 points, um, you know, I think you'd be able to cope without OG. But okay, maybe let OG, I don't even know, test it out, so to to speak. But um, the next possession, the Raptors were able to either get some sort of turnover or something like that, but there was another opportunity to substitute, and that's or maybe the Hornets took timeout. I think that might be it. Um, And the Raptors were able to get OG out of the game, and he didn't come back. So that's unfortunate. But before that, he was playing great, Um, super efficient again. Obviously, he's been awesome on corner threes all season. Uh, shooting like 50% out of those spots, like that's really, really nice. Um, you know, five or six from three tonight it definitely just adds to that. Um, I had a, a few like transition dunks as well. Uh, and all that was good. You know, Scotty, 12 points. Um, but I actually I, I like the moments where he took a strong. I thought defensively there was a couple of uh, strips and deflections. So, you know, pretty good game for him. Jakob Pertl, sixteen points, nine rebounds, including four offensive, three assists, a steal, five blocks, including a block late in the game to sort of spark the fast break and get the Raptors out. I mean, he he did his job. I, the only thing I would say was with Jakob is that like a couple of times the Hornets were able to score um over him at the rim. Um, I think some of that just speaks to you know the, the how young these some of these guys are and how athletic some of these guys are. like Mark Williams for example. Like he, I mean. It's kind of like a Robert Williams type of player, right? Like really big, really active um, and that activity and that size around the basket to, to go for offensive rebounds, to go up for dunks. Like it, it's it's not easy to sort of play against him. And, and to be honest, Yacht probably could have done a better job of putting a body on him or maybe the Raptors could have helped him out by putting a body on him because he did get like six offensive rebounds in the first half. So that's an adjustment to make for the next game uh, when the Raptors play the Hornets again next Tuesday. And then Fred, who is the headliner today, I mean, 20 points, 20 assists, three steals, five rebounds. Didn't shoot the ball that efficiently, seven of 17, including one of eight from three. But he got a ton of great looks from three. Like, I I actually think that there are none of those looks I really take back in terms of just, like, don't take that shot or he forced a shot there. Go through it. Like, they were all pretty steady, open looks. Um, The only one three he made was off a a pick and roll where uh, the, the defense dropped against him and he pulled up for three. Um, But yeah, I mean, 20 assists. That's amazing. You've already heard the stat already, but uh, that is the franchise record for uh, most assists by a Raptors in a game. Kyle Lowry, um, the Grote, uh, only ever did it with 19. Uh, Jose Calderon apparently did it twice at 19. And then Damon Stoudemire with 19. That's actually a pretty great list of just who the greatest Raptors point guards are. Um, You know, obviously you could swap out... uh, you know, whoever you want in the Jose position. But to be honest, Jose was a really, really great Raptors point guard um, just during a period where, you know, the Raptors team as a whole wasn't that great, but I actually liked Jose a lot. But yeah, I mean, like, Fred now has the assist record and the single-game points record. Like, that's really impressive. But uh, yeah, it it just was one of those games where the Raptors' ball movement was strong. Um, You know, I I thought that they could get consistent advantages when they were playing pick and roll. I mean, that really got... The start of the game, the Raptors played a lot of pick and roll um, where Fred and Jakob or Pascal and Jakob, and, and they just kept either getting Jakob layups at the rim, or they were kept getting opportunities to penetrate and get into the lane. And for Pascal's case, score off of those looks, and for Fred's case, obviously dish it out. Fred had a number of really, really nice assists um, throughout the course of the game. Obviously, when you have 20 of those, like, you're going to have those kind of, um, you're going to have great, some great assists. But I think the Raptors were able to, especially Fred, was just able to set up the corner three. Amazing, um, you know. But, yeah, like, when you had those kind of guys cooking, like I wasn't really worried. I mean, my only concern was like, okay, um, you know, are OG and, and Scotty going to uh, be able to sort of maintain this pace? Because uh, the starting group, obviously, you know, when you start the game, when even the third quarter, start the second half, like Pascal and Fred are going to be able to, um, especially against an opponent like this, create advantages, score, um, assist, all that kind of stuff. Right. But of course, you know, they're going to sit and then uh, are the bench guys going to be able to sort of keep the pace up with Scotty and OG uh, going. And yeah, I mean, that's that that, that's wasn't a concern here either. Like I I thought, um, you know, Pascal and Fred, I think one of them went to the bench, probably Pascal um, early in the first uh, quarter. And so OG then got. Two opportunities. One, he drove it into the middle of the lane, got good separation, stopped, went up for a little jump hook, scored it. The next play, uh, OG has the ball again, looking to attack, gets the screen. The defender drops uh, against the screen. I Not even drops. I think they just went under the screen on OG, and OG pulled up for three. You don't see him hit a lot of pull-up threes, but then again, you don't see him get a lot of opportunities with that. And clearly right now, with him shooting the ball so well, I'm, I'm cool with them giving pretty much whatever look they want to get to OG. They're giving him lots of opportunities to sort of clear out an attack. Then I thought the start of the second quarter Scotty was able to get in a couple of times as well. Um you know fun little mini game between Scotty and Svee. Uh, obviously you know I think they hit it off immediately last year as teammates. You know Scotty famously gave Svee the nickname of Sveegee. Um even though he was shooting like uh, Svee Aquafina but um you know still like it, it was uh it, it was just you could tell that these guys were we're looking forward to going at each other, right? So Svee got a couple of tough baskets against Scotty, and then Scotty then took it, like took Svee all the way to the rim and put him under there a couple of times. So I enjoyed watching that aspect. And then the bench came in and was just solid. Listen, like I, all I want the bench to do is really just play some defense, run the, run the floor and, and, and not make bad decisions. Um, because obviously, especially in a game like this, uh, you know, where your main guys are all creating advantages. Like, Pascal, Fred, OG, Scott—they were all creating advantage, and even Yak with his screening and his in his finishing—that's in a form of advantage creation on his own. Um, like when, when when all those guys are doing that, like I just need the bench to come in and just like you know be solid. So I, I like Chris's rebounding. Um, I like the fact that he was able to push it on the fast break. Um, one time he took it by himself and tried to finish it and he couldn't, but I don't really mind that. I actually think Chris has been really good. On the fast break, especially when he pushes it himself, um, that was highlighted with uh, the dunk of the year for the Raptors for sure. For me, is is Chris Boucher who like remember he took it the length of the floor and, and took off from the free throw line and dunked it like in game. That was ridiculous. And then he blocked the three right after that too. But you know, I, I thought Chris came in great, great energy. There's no concerns there. Um, Precious came in solid first stint, like pretty good actually. The Raptors were able to find him cutting to the basket a couple times. He's able to finish a couple times. All that was good um defensively his energy was strong I, I mean like looks the Hornets did have some bigger wings out there or they were trying to play in the paint and so you know I, I don't mind Precious out there at all I think that's a good defensive matchup for him I mean look listen let's be honest no matter how much Precious is struggling he should be able to play against the Charlotte Hornets who are starting you know five guys that only one of you know is, is Fee which is kind of funny to think about but he's having a great resurgence but Precious is in there and and you know even christian colocial who i thought came in and just contested a whole bunch of shots that's that's really it but he came in and contested a whole bunch of shots which is good right he had a uh, you know a rolling finish to the basket i think from fred then he blocked a, a shot at the rim uh, on the next possession and and i just thought he was a, he was a hurdle down low and he actually got into the game before precious did like the raptors actually went to jeff Dalton before precious they went to chris before precious and they went to uh uh, Christian before Precious. But ultimately, all those guys came in and, and, and did decently. You know, Jeff Doughton, 10 minutes, didn't take a shot for assist, though, including a couple of nice um, extra feeds where he's able to – one of those where he was able to attack a closeout, get into the middle of the lane, and then a little jump – like, faked a shot, but jump past to Chris Boucher down low, who's able to finish around the basket. Like, the Raptors just got so many looks at the rim. Like, so many dunks, whether that was off of Charlotte Steel, uh, horn turnovers, the Raptors got a, um, a, a quite a few um, number of sort of, like, not necessarily, like, their steals wasn't even that high. Like, eight is below average for them, and, and seven blocks is higher than usual. But the Raptors just had a lot of plays where the Raptors were able to create the stop in a live ball scenario and get themselves on the fast break. Um, and so the Raptors were just able to break, 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 and, and get dunks pretty much every single time. And that really was able to sustain their offense. And, and even without that, like, I thought the Raptors could create advantages. Like, Pascal could hit turnaround jumpers over most of these guys or go to the basket against a lot of these guys. Fred obviously was just, you know, just, just uh, dissecting the defense over and over again. Scotty had the power game going, especially in a game where he was getting guarded by, like, Svima Heilik or Bryce McGowan or... Um you know, even James Booknight, like there were opportunities for him to attack. OG has just been, you know, kind of attacking from all sorts of fronts. But obviously, he's he's great on catching shoots. But they're featuring him a little bit as well. It's actually funny. The Raptors have two guys where they'll give it to them in the post, um, and, and the two guys being OG and um, and Scotty, where they'll get in the post and then they'll sort of like do the the, the MJ thing where they sort of like palm the ball and hold it behind them and just sign a survey or pull it above them. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of cool that the, both of those guys did a, a version of that move. In the second half, um, and I was just like, oh, that that's, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's just cool to look at, to be honest. Um, but yeah, like, you know, OG was able to sort of be featured and create advantages on his own. Um, yeah, cleaning up is always, I thought second half defensively, he was better than the first half. And, yeah, again, the only reason this game was close uh, was because Charlotte was making a lot of shots. And, and that's where you got to tip your cap to them. Like, obviously, like, it, it's hard because you got an opponent like this and you can't apply any of their season averages or any of their season history towards this. Because, like, they, aside from it being the same coach running probably the same system, it's so many different players that, um you know, you're not necessarily expecting any of that to translate. Like, th- what does it matter that the Charlotte Hornets are, you know, the worst three-point shooting team in the league or, or bottom five or whatever when, like, these guys haven't been playing the whole season, right? So that doesn't necessarily apply to these guys. However, having said that, though, there there were lots of shots that they made where I'm just like, all right, like, like no, it's not like the Raptors, like, contested them so hard and and Svi and was playing like Kobe, although he did have a couple of those shots, including one where, man, he was obviously on fire, at the, so the Raptors were sort of playing him to, to curl inside the lane, and so he would, you know, get downhill – with OG behind him, and then Christian's helping right at the rim, and he's not jumping, and obviously he's seven feet with the standing reach, like, nine foot something, like, he's just, like, it's a real hurdle, and Svee's just like, yeah, I'm gonna jump into the body, go in for a little shot, or and one, th- like, for three, like, Svee was, I honestly think was kind of going wild tonight, I'm not gonna lie, but, um, yeah, like, a lot of these guys you do sort of, not leave open by design, but, you know, you're, you're okay if they get some shots off, and even in the case of Booknight, they had, like, back-to-back contested threes. So, I'm not expecting the Hornets to have the same 3-point performance, but at the same time, like, that was ultimately what kept it close. And listen, keeping it close really did allow the Raptors to sort of get more opportunities um, to, to sort of play and, and get their numbers up. And, you know, I, I think in, in this game, like, the Raptors did a great job of moving the ball, first and foremost. Uh, I still saw tons of sort of comments on the selfishness, which, hey, man, that's fair. Listen, as when, when Masai came out of the trade deadline and said there's some selfishness on the team, like, You know, that obviously puts the focus on it, even before it sort of was already out there. But that really crystallizes it. Right. Um, But in this case, yeah, like, we, we, you know, we can see um, the Raptors moving the ball really well. Guys looking for each other. And um, yeah, you know, the end result was 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 pretty great. You know, Pascal on his birthday, um, you know, just just seeing the opportunities I was able to play in there. A couple of like classic yak and skills kind of plays, too, where, you know, Pascal nowadays, obviously, he's operating much more at the top of the floor and he's not um necessarily cutting as much. Like he's more the featured guy, right? So, you know, when you're when you're featured, you you can't cut when you have the ball in your hands, for example, right? But um in in the past, when it used to be like the Yakin skills play, when I'm thinking about the classic bench mob, what I'm thinking about is someone drives Gets this to Pascal in the post or sort of like gets him in the dunker spot. Pascal makes a move and then sort of that little shovel pass where he sort of like draws the second defender or draws the, the center to come over. And then he just like maybe up fakes and then slides the ball underneath, shovel pass to Yak. And it was, I don't know, maybe it happened like two or three plays in this game and Yak made all those layups. But I don't know. It was, it was kind of like a, oh, you know, core, mem- core memory unlocked of, of Yak and skills. Like th- there was a lot of that going on. Um, you know, obviously Scotty loves to feature OG. Um, but you know, even, even for example, Scotty gave it into, uh, he had a chance to attack, didn't, didn't necessarily take his chance, but he dumped it into the post to Christian who was able to sort of go into a post move and score. Um, and yeah, you know, like how many players in this team would feature Christian, to be honest, it's probably not even the greatest decision in terms of in the game. Like, are we going to give Christian Coloco a post up? Um, when he doesn't have a clear advantage, he's just going one-on-one. But at the same time, Scotty was willing to do that. That shows extra trust in the teammates, and, and Christian was able to make the flo- the layup. And, of course, Fred was just doing great. I mean, like, Yak was also playing, you know, the the pick, uh, you know, actions out of the high post where the Raptors sort of set screens. I think the first play of the game, um, is, is that right? Let me check my notes. Hold on. Uh, yep. Oh, the first play of the game was Fred finds Pascal cutting to the rim for a, a baseline out of bounds, um, which was his first assist. Um, but early on in the game, yeah, that's right, this is what I remember. So um, they give the ball to Yak around the elbow, you know, Fred with the screen for OG, OG cuts back door to the basket, and that momentary indecision on the screen allows uh, Yak to sort of serve up OG for the lob. Like, you know, they were able to set up those type of plays. Um, you know, they were able to play pin pick pick-and-roll with Fred and pa- uh, Jakob as well, and Yeah, Charlotte was pretty committed to sort of bringing the bigs up. They were really trying to take away a lot of the shooting opportunities for Fred. Um, And so, you know, there were opportunities where um, if the Raptors were able to slip that pocket pass through to Yak, there was, you know, layups to be found there because the center obviously was stepped up. Or if Fred was able to keep his dribble alive and dribble around um, the the big man, and in this case, that shouldn't really happen. Like, obviously, when there's help at the basket at, at, on the screen, like that, big's responsibility not only is to deter Fred from shooting, but also to cut off his momentum going downhill. But Fred was able to round that many times, and, and either set up, you know, again like cuts to the basket. And the Raptors have been cutting a lot better of late, like off ball movement wise. Like last three games has been really really good. And the, the the Miami game in particular, but even last uh, game against Philly, they had a lot of good off ball cuts. Off of drives and um yeah, either that or set up the corner. So guys were looking great. Fred even had a really, really slick pass where it was kind of off a broken play, like Yakub was able to win the offensive rebound, tapped it out to Fred, who I think missed a shot, but he was under the basket. Obviously, you know, haven't been there for the for the layup. Um, tapped it to him, and then Fred was under the rim kind of and then just kind of threw a behind the back bounce pass to Yak, who was able to finish. That was really nice to see. Um but yeah, like they, they just they the Raptors just kind of all had it going, and that's what you would like to see. Um, now the only negative thing to come out of this game is that OG Anobi, unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, uh, on a very innocent play, just end up stepping on a guy's foot. So we'll see what his status is. Obviously, OG is an amazing rhythm. Um, so like uh, you know, like there's there you know there is a chance there to. Um, to sort of still stay in, I mean he he wanted to stay in the moment, but this is one of those things where it's like you get tests afterwards and you'll see what happens and um, but I mean, yeah, it, it is unfortunate, absolutely because again, it was just on such a nothing kind of play, but yeah, in general, guys all played well, and um you know, hopefully you just get the same effort against Charlotte the next game as well right because. Um, the worst thing you can do right now, like the one way you can guarantee an angry react pod from now until the end of the season is if you lose to the Charlotte Hornets next game. And and like, this is the game you have to take because after this, you play Boston twice, including on the second half of a back-to-back, the Raptors play. So the next game, they play in Charlotte again um, on Tuesday. Uh, then on the next Wednesday, they travel to, to TD Garden and they got to play there on the Celtics on the back-to-back, uh, you know, which is never going to be easy. And then you know that following Friday, after a day off, you get to play the Celtics again. Um, maybe at that point the Celtics might have nothing to play for, and so maybe you get an easier game. But you know those are those are not going to be favoring the Raptors. Uh, Raptors versus the Celtics in either of those two matchups. And then the last game of the season, you play against the Bucs. Most likely the Bucs will have it wrapped up by then. But depends, right? If the Raptors lose twice to the Celtics, that means the Celtics get two more wins. If the Bucs lose a couple more, like there's a chance that they're playing each other for the who has the first seed. And so they might come in on game 82 of the season still looking to win that game. Ideally, that's not the case. And ideally, the seedings are already there. So again, this is why I highlighted in the, in, uh, the show last week. is just like, if the Raptors can secure one win against the Celtics, that's like securing two wins because they're going to have a much better chance to take care of a, a Bucks team that may most likely will not be sending their guys it, if, if they already have the number one seed locked up. But they have to have that seed locked up in the first place. So... Before you look ahead to all of that, though, or before I do that, um, the Raptors got to take care of business next time they play against Charlotte. If they take the same approach, they'll have the same result. Like, you know, and I think the Raptors even had some pretty bad luck in terms of shooting threes. Like, guys got pretty open looks. Like, Fred had a lot of open looks, you know, and, and you know, obviously we know he's not a one-for-eight type of shooter. Now, he has those games frequently, but ultimately, like, he got wide open looks. So it wasn't a case of bad shot selection in this case. It was just, you know wasn't able to get those to fall but ultimately yeah the, the Raptors played well as you would expect and uh you know they were able to get the results so um yeah before I wrap up the show I mean look listen the, the Nick comments like I, I guess is gonna just end here because he did say pre-game that uh he's not gonna answer any more questions about it right now I I just think that um First and foremost, I already made my comment, my point clear, both in the 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 the, the post game column I wrote after, um. The uh, the 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 Philly game, so I wrote it in there. So if you want to see those comments, you can see it in there. Um, obviously, if you listen to the React pod after the Phillies game or the the, the Philly game, I, I talked about it there as well. Um, but for Nick to just come out and sort of. Picture like this. So obviously he was asked a, fo- a follow-up question up in regards to his comments, right? Which, you know, it's it's like the most predictable, most standard thing to do in this scenario, right? Um, so Lindsay Dunn, who, who is on the road trip here and um, in, in Charlotte, uh, asked Nick about the question, uh, about his comments. And Nick kind of cut her off and clearly was very annoyed, clearly was very snippy in this situation and just said that he is not going to address speculation on his future. And the reason he did the the, sh- the 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 comments in Philly, uh, he was hoping that that would sort of um, address it because he had been asked about it three days in a row. Now, listen, this is the timeline what happened, okay? On Sunday, a report comes out of Boston by Steve Bullpit of Heavy.com, longtime Celtics beat writer, links email you to the Raptors, which obviously necessitates that Nick would probably go elsewhere, right? He also had it that Nick would go to Houston. So that was Sunday night. Monday, the Raptors had practice. You can go watch the press conference at practices. They're all public. No one asked them a single question about that. All the questions were focused on regular Raptors topics, not hey, are you leaving? Tuesday, the Raptors played uh game day. That was Raptors versus Heat. There was pregame, as as with every um, you know, game, and then there's postgame. Right. Neither of those scenarios did anyone ask, hey, Nick, are you going to Houston or hey, Nick, is your future with the team in doubt? Wednesday, the Raptors had an off day, which is rare. I got to say it's rare. Typically, the Raptors will practice at any given opportunity these days. Um, and, you know, the NBA rules are that unless it's a, if it's if it's a back to back, then you don't practice the next day. Right, but otherwise, you you typically would see the Raptors call practice. So the Raptors didn't have a back-to-back. They're off Monday, play Tuesday, off Wednesday. They didn't practice on that day. No one heard from Nick. Okay, um, the following day on Thursday, they had an early practice where um, they were traveling to Philly. So they're flying out from the thing. Nick goes to the press conference. Nobody asked Nick anything about his rumors about this and that. Later that day on Thursday, that's when Doug Smith brings the report forward, crystallizing this idea that Nick would is, is looking to go to Houston and the Raptors are looking to hire Ime Udoka or, or somebody, some other person, obviously, to replace Nick. Um, but, of course, the team had already traveled. So the first availability you would have after that is Friday in Philadelphia where, pregame, Nick was asked by a Sixers reporter, I think it was Keith Pompey, Keith Pompey asked a question along the lines of, and I, I, the only reason I'm paraphrasing this, because obviously I don't have Chris, uh, Keith Pompey's question memorized, but the question was, you know, it's, it's been an inconsistent season. Um, there was obviously a lot of speculation near the trade deadline. Um, you know, you didn't necessarily know who was going to be on the roster, so where's your head at? Which is a pretty standard question to be asking. It is not. Hey, Nick, there's reports out there that you might be going to Houston. Can you comment on this? Or anything even alluding to that? That was the question, right? You had a lot of, it, it was about roster instability, and it was about where's your head at? Which is, again, a very standard question to be asking. Nick then takes that, purposefully takes that, and responds in that way, both in regards to sort of the feelings around the trade deadline for his team. And then he goes on and, he, and gives his comments, which you have all seen right now. And again, I don't want to go through the whole thing because I already did it last time. So then it was a conversation. Of course, once he said it afterwards, they clarified the question with him. But again, the whole point was just, you know, 10 years a long time. You know, like I got to really reevaluate really my, my relationship with the front office and all this other stuff. Clearly, uh, more information than we typically would see, right? Again, I, I've already offered in that angle. Just go back to the previous pods or just read the post game column. Um, but that's fine. So that was asked post game after the loss against Philly on Friday. Nick was not asked about it and not in a public setting because of the fact that you can, again, you can see the public, you can see the scrums. The only thing you can't see is pre-game. Typically, I don't know why they're not published. I can see them, though. Um, but like, ultimately, they're not published on like the, the team's YouTube page. Right. But so to, to recap, the reports came out last Sunday. There was practice on Monday, which is public. No questions. Two media sessions pre and post on Tuesday. No questions to Nick Wednesday conspicuously no practice that day who knows where nick even was thursday we do see nick at practice he is then asked about anything except for the fact that his coaching future in toronto so that one's also public you can't there was no questions asked to him there friday in a question unrelated to him and the reports out there he offers his whole statement on the whole thing then friday post game, which you can see is public is not uh, there was no questions about that saturday I don't know. There was maybe no availability. I'm not really sure about this one. Maybe they didn't even practice. I'm not sure about this one. Sunday, pregame, the first availability after that Friday scenario, Lindsey asks Nick up to follow up on his statements. And then he comes out and says, I don't want to answer this because I've been asked about this three days in a row. Do you, like, I I mean, look, listen, you can go through and watch all the the press conferences and you could tell me if I'm lying or not. But that's just straight up not true. That is just straight up not true. And I'm saying, if you're going to open the can of worms, and then people are like, what are all these worms doing? You can't just be like, oh, what? How How dare you? Like, look away. You know what I mean? Like, how stupid do you think people are, really? Anyway, um, your three stars from tonight's performance. Uh, your first star is going to go to Fred VanVleet. 20 points, 20 assists. I mean, look, it's a record. Was he the best player in the Raptors? Quite possibly. It was either a tie between him and Pascal. Depends on who you prefer in terms of who's setting the guy up or who's finishing. But I mean, listen, the guy broke a franchise record. He's going to be your first star. Second star is going to Pascal thirty six and uh, seven and seven and two steals on sixteen to twenty four shooting from the field in thirty eight minutes. You know, great performance. Happy birthday! Uh, and then yeah, your third star is going to go to OJ Anobi. I thought he played awesome. Uh, twenty three points, seven rebounds, and assists. Um, I look a lot of these games like he's the only guy who's like the credible three point shooting threat out there. It's like him and Fred, and obviously Fred can be up and down, um, but obviously Fred will take a high volume. But yeah, OG has been very consistent, like especially when they're catching and shooting out of the corners. That's been great. Even seeing him pull up for three, that was great. Nick described it afterwards as a mild, mild sprain. So we'll see if he plays in the next game and how his availability is for the remainder of the season. Obviously, they need him to be playing, not just because they need everyone on ha- all hands on deck uh, towards the end of the season, but they definitely need OG because he's playing at an amazing level on both ends of the floor. So those are your three stars, Fred, Pascal, OG, your Gerald Henderson award winner. That's going to go to Svi Mahalik. Congrats to him, man. Honestly, this is, OG <laughs> looks so good tonight. 26 points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals. Um, the Raptors were giving him OG coverage as well. But even if it wasn't OG, like the Raptors were really hugging up on Svi, and he was still able to get a shot off most times. He was able, still able to find spaces and uh, played super aggressive, super confident, had a couple of reverse layups on the rim as well man, if he played like this last year or even like 10% of this last year, then of course he'd still be on the team. But uh, yeah, all, unfortunately, obviously, it just didn't work out in the Toronto. And, and don't be like, hey, listen, this is another instance of Nick not being able to get the best out of a guy. Like, this is where I'd actually defend Nick because, you know, he's not lying in this case. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Svi was able to, we got tons of open looks and he got lots of look in the rotation at the start of the year. He just wasn't hitting. So it happens, but I'm happy that he's able to sort of find something here. And of course, a strong finish the season for Svi allows him to stay in the league. Like he was on the fringes of the league. So good for him. Um, Seems like a good dude. So that does it with the reaction podcast. Thanks for listening. Continue to rate, review, subscribe. I believe we're going to record a banter pod l- later this evening. Uh, whenever Alex is done watching. Uh, well, both of us are going to be watching Caitlin Clark first and foremost in the final and then afterwards, I think Alex is going to be watching Succession. So, uh, yeah, whenever that happens, we will, we will drop a banter pod. But uh, ultimately, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of this beautiful uh, weekend in Toronto.